Welcome y bienvenidos to the Bridge Covenant Church Podcast. Whether you weren't able to join us on Sunday or just thought the message was so nice you listened to it twice, we pray these words will encourage you in your walk with Jesus. For more information about today's sermon or to learn more about Bridge, please visit us at bridgecovenant.org. This morning we're going to take a very brief look in regards to what we'll be reading this coming week in the letters of Paul. So the first question that we are going to talk about when we gather, but the first question is what stuck out to you this week? And as I read, um, this past week, you know, we read through the book of Acts, right? And we were introduced to Saul, who we know now as Paul. And in order to kind of move forward into what struck me, um, I want to just read real quickly about uh, Saul's conversion um, from Acts 9, or if you have your immersed Bible, page 75 through 76. It's at the bottom of page 75 we start. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. And he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might again regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Now, when I was reading through the letters that Paul writes to the church, what stuck out to me um, as I read over and over and over is Paul's <laughs> insistence on new life. He calls us over and over again to be new people. Now, each letter addresses different issues in the individual communities, but in all of them, Paul emphasizes that we, as we encounter Jesus, as we believe in Jesus, as we put our faith in Jesus, that we become new creatures, that we have a new life, a new way of thinking, a new way of being. He even goes so far to remind us that we will have a new body. 
Paul insists that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has become. Newness is a theme in Paul's letter. And, and how could it not be? <laughs> how could it not be? Can you imagine the transformation that took place in Paul? On the road to Damascus that we just read? If any of you think that newness of life is beyond your grasp, be encouraged. Here is someone who, who was on the road to destroy everyone who believed in Jesus, and the Lord appears to him, and he has this transformation that is like this. Everything in Paul's life is transformed. He becomes a completely new creation. Paul reminded me this week of the newness of life that faith in Christ offers to me on a daily basis. The newness of life that Jesus gives me on a daily basis. Well, was there anything, question two, was there anything confusing or troubling? We know I love this question because, <laughs> hello, we read through the Bible and honestly, are there, there are things that are confusing and there are things that are troubling, right? So this question allows us to actually be together and, and talk about those things. First of all, these letters were written to a specific community that has specific issues and problems that, that Paul's addressing. And because we live 2,000 years or thousands of years beyond, the context for us in which Paul is writing is pretty hard to understand, right? This is especially true if you had me an immersed Bible. It has no footnotes. <laughs> Initially, someone said to me, I can't read this, it has no footnotes. And now after reading it, they're like, I love this. Uh, you might not like the translation. You might not like how it's worded. Some things might put you off. Uh, and you say, you're, you're actually just asking me to read scripture? Yeah. You're not asking me to do an inductive Bible study, right? For our university stuff? Um, you know, the introduction of the chapters is helpful to have some understanding and context. But there will be things which we simply find confusing or troubling in scripture. There will be things that are simply confusing and troubling. Now, right away... Paul has instructions to the church in Corinth that seem pretty harsh to me. Now, I think all of us will agree that if we have a leader in the church who has a moral failure, we should remove that person from their position, and we should enter them into a process of restoration, correct? But Paul tells the church this about a person who has moral failure. He says this, throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Well, what does that mean? That sounds very confusing and troubling to me, handing a man over to Satan. As a woman in ministry, you won't be surprised that I'm troubled that Paul tells the church in Corinth that women must be silent during their church meetings. <laughs> this is troubling, but it's even more confusing when just a few words later, in the very same chapter, Paul says this. He tells both men and women to eagerly prophesy and not to forbid speaking in tongues. But is that outside the church then, Paul? Not in the building? These are just two things I found confusing or troubling. Of course, there are more. And I hope that as we come together um, and engage this question that you will be encouraged, that you are not the only one that when you read the Bible, you think, wow, I don't understand this. This is confusing. This is troubling. Question number three. Did anything make you think differently about God? The churches have their individual issues, which Paul addresses, but in each of these letters, living by the Spirit is essential. We are guided by the Spirit to believe in Jesus Christ through faith over and over and over and over 
again in these, in these letters, Paul says, we need the Holy Spirit, that we are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks not through clever or per per persuasive speech, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit, we are given different kinds of spiritual gifts to help each other. The Spirit enables us to understand spiritual truths. The Spirit might even enable us to understand those confusing and troubling things we don't understand. Christ has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. <coughs> the Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit guides our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, and I know we all want this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with God's love over and over and over again. Paul calls us to be completely and totally, maybe radically, dependent on the Holy Spirit. My relationship with God must include the Holy Spirit. Question number four. So how might this change the way we live? Now, I want to expand on Paul's emphasis on the Holy Spirit and how it might change the way we live. But first, I just want to go um, to, to a very practical thing that changed the way I, I live this week as I read through Scripture. If you have your Immersed Bible, you can turn to page 162. Now, um, I was, uh, this week, I was just kind of, you know, you can get in your little ruts, right? And I'm a four, and fours aren't ever really totally satisfied. They always think there's better things across, you know, the divide. Um, and uh, I, was, uh, I was feeling a little worn out, a little overwhelmed, and, and, and you know, kind of discouraged about life in general. And, um, and then I read this about Paul. I don't have my Bible, so I had my, mark, my place marked, but here we, here we go. Um, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish, later, Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, in my Bible, I had written how many that is, and I think it's 197, but someone can check my math. My math. Five different times, 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole night, a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have lived, I have uh, faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And I got a little perspective. Amen. Life as a Christian in the United States of America isn't too bad, is it? So let's expand a little bit on Paul's emphasis on the Holy Spirit and its work in our lives. How might it change the way we live? Well, I like to write, and I have uh, several journals that I've written in over the years, and sometimes when I'm journaling, I feel like the Holy Spirit just takes my pen. It's kind of random. I can't explain it. It just takes my pen, and he writes. And then after I've written, I'll stop and I'll go back through and see what the Holy Spirit has written to me. Um, I haven't been writing as much as I do recently, so this hasn't happened uh, in the last couple months. 
But yesterday afternoon, as I stopped, as I stopped to pray, as I was, I was finishing the sermon and I stopped to pray, and as I was praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, just start writing. So I want to share some of what I ended up typing yesterday. I'll start at the beginning, and you'll catch on as I read that, that, um, that I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, right? And then pretty quickly it changes, and the Holy Spirit is having a conversation with me. Just start writing on the computer, okay. I'm following that still small voice inside my head, and I have no idea if it's mine or if it's the Holy Spirit. Trusting that it's the Holy Spirit and something will come to mind as I try. Trusting the Holy Spirit might be something like this exercise that I'm currently doing. You hear something that sounds crazy, a little vague, and yet you feel like you should follow its lead. And so hesitantly, not wanting to expect too much, you start doing whatever it is that you feel prompted to do. It is, just, is it just the starting that is difficult, or is it the entire exercise? The Holy Spirit speaks, and we hear not. The Holy Spirit speaks and we hear nothing. The Holy Spirit speaks and we go on with our lives, not stopping, not listening, not aware of the potential that lies in the partnership with you, me, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks. Are we willing to listen? The world is so full of noise. It's noise that drowns out the important things in life. It's noise that numbs us to the feelings that we should feel, to the tasks that we should tend to. Yes, the world is full of noise and it gets us gets us off course. So my life needs to get off the runway, get off the track, get off the wheel. Whatever it is in your life that is keeping you from hearing me, I need you to stop, simply stop. What will happen if you stop and engage with me for a while? Your world won't fall apart. Your marriage won't dissolve. You won't be fired from your job. In fact, if you'll simply stop and listen to me for a while, you'll find that your world has order, not chaos. Your work is done without much strife or worry. Your marriage is transformed. You see, I'm in the transformation business. I'm transforming people. These are the things you have to be ready for when we listen to the Holy Spirit, right? You see, I'm in the transformation business. I'm transforming people. I'm transforming communities. I'm transforming countries. I'm making all things new for those who listen, for those who have ears which are turned to me. You read through scripture and you wonder if I'm still moving. Do I still manifest myself in ways which are indescribable? Do I still make the walls shake and shake tongues to speak in a foreign tongue? I do, I do, I do. But it's only for those who have time to hear my voice, time to listen, time to engage in the practice of being still, of being silent. I still speak to those who have ears to listen. So take everything out of your ears. Shake off the dust, the buds, the headphones. Tune out the noise that keeps you so distracted and leads you astray. And tune into me, the spirit who leads you, who teaches you, who renews you, who changes the world and makes things new. Tune into me and you will find that your life isn't as chaotic. Your desires are filled, your families are free. Your world is different. Tune into me and dream things you think are impossible, for without me they are. Tune into me and do things you never dreamed you would do. Without me they cannot be done. Tune into me and then you have courage to step out into the unknown, to step out into the future which perhaps, with perhaps not much understanding about what lies ahead. Don't try to figure it out. Simply tune into me. 
Tune into me in the future will be revealed to you. Do you understand that language? Revealed to you means that you don't currently know what you're going to do. Revealed to you means you don't understand where I'm going to take you. Revealed means you walk in faith forward into the future as it is being revealed to you. Revealed means that you might not have a five-year strategic plan. That's okay. I don't need one and neither do you. Revealed means that you aren't in control but that I will use you. Revealed means that you don't know what I will do or really what you will do. Revealed means the plan comes from God to form you and it far exceeds your dreams or expectations or your current framework. Revealed is scary. Banks won't finance it, but I will. Revealed is lonely. People will think you're crazy, but others will come along for the ride. Revealed is unconventional. Revealed requires dreamers, daredevils, people with courage. Revealed requires faith, and faith requires time with me. And I have another page and a half, but that's for me, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Revealed requires faith, and faith requires time with me. If you were here last week, I had you take an inventory of your time. A simple way to think about how we spend our time maybe to see that we need to stop doing something in order to immerse ourselves in scripture. Uh, they're still down there if you wanna take one on the way out. Scott and I are in a cohort from pastors around the country and we, met every, we meet every quarter and at the beginning of this month we met in Orlando. We had a chance to visit a few people to see what the spirit was revealing to them about the kingdom of God in their neighborhood and in their community. One pastor we met started a coffee shop called Credo in Orlando. This is their manifest. I think the first page sums up what I want to leave us with this morning. Thanks. <laughs> this is his manifest for his coffee shop. Take a look at it later if you want to. The sum of all the small, unexamined choices we make every day will build a momentum in our lives. Without intention, our culture will direct that momentum toward comfort, entertainment, and isolation. There's nothing wrong with bigger TV screens or comfier couches. We're just convinced that they will not leave us satisfied. We'll need something more substantial. We build substantive lives with successive small choices. The successive small choice that we're asking you to make in the next six weeks, six weeks is to con continue to open your Bible and to continue to immerse yourself in Scripture. Thanks, Julie. I'm going to suggest that reading God's Word and tuning into His Spirit will leave us satisfied. That this one small choice that we'll make to open God's word is worth building our lives on. Remember the Holy Spirit will speak to those who have ears to hear. Take heed to his instruction. So take everything out of your ears. Shake off the dust, the buds, the headphones. Tune out the noise that keeps you so distracted and leads you astray. Tune into me, the spirit who leads you, who teaches you, who renews you, who change, changes the world and makes all things new. Amen. We join me in prayer.
Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the things that you long to reveal to us, for the, for the things that you long to call us out into, Jesus. You long to, uh, to reveal to us things that we can't even imagine, things that we can't even dream. You long to transform not only us, but our families and our communities, our world, Jesus. You are about transformation. You are about new life. So, Lord, encourage us this week to uh, shake off the dust, to take out the buds, to take off the headphones, Lord, and to tune into you through your voice spoken in the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Bridge Covenant Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at bridgecovenant.org.